BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Next month, Berkeley's Cafe Ohlone will reopen in a new space in the Hearst Museum of Anthropology at the University of California, Berkeley. As we heard in the last segment, UC Berkeley anthropologist Alfred Krober played a key role in the loss of the tribe's federal recognition. And the Hearst Museum still contains a large collection of Ohlone artifacts which have not been returned to the tribe. We're joined this morning by one of Cafe Ohlone's proprietors to talk about his hopes for repairing the fraught relationship the Ohlone people have with these institutions while affirming and teaching about the indigenous culture of the Bay. Welcome, Vincent Medina, East Bay Ohlone cultural leader and co-founder of Cafe Ohlone. Thank you very much. Hello to you all. Kanakrakats, Vincent Medina, and I'm the co-founder of Cafe Ohlone and our organization, community organization, Makamham, which means our food in Chochenyo, the indigenous language to the East Bay. Thank you so much for joining us, Vincent, and for introducing us to this beautiful language. Uh, of course, this is one of our biweekly segments with Luke Sai about Bay Area food culture. Luke's our KQED food editor, and welcome to you too, Luke. Thanks so much for having me again, Alexis. Uh, Vincent Medina, I, I wanted to start with you, and I wanted you to tell us like the origin story of Cafe Ohlone. Tell us about the original cafe and how it got going. Absolutely. So in September of 2017, uh, my partner, Louis Trevino, who's Rumson Ohlone, and myself, we were inspired with seeing uh, the success of the restoration of our two Ohlone languages. Uh, my, my family's language is Chochenyo, which is from the East Bay. Mm-hmm. And Louis's family's language is Rumson from Carmel Valley. Both of our languages experienced a very heavy uh, decline with colonization and the suppression that came with that. But in spite of that, our family found ways to keep the language alive, even if in memory, even if through archives. Now, when we were young people, we didn't have access to our language because our elders had to do things to keep the language safe, including uh, putting it away for some time. But the hope was that when it was safer, we would have those things again. We saw how we could go from not having something being practiced to having something fully being practiced. And uh, that gave us inspiration for what else is possible, including seeing our food waste connected to this, uh, this restoration, this cultural restoration that's been ongoing. So in September, 2017, we uh, created an organization named Makamham, which again in Chochenyo means our food, fully focused on reconnecting these foods back to our community. About a year after we started this organization, seeing the success of these foods becoming commonplace within our Ohlone family, seeing these recipes become commonplace, how those foods connect our elders to other memories. We wanted to be able to have a space where we could be able to 
have these foods be, be presented in a dignified way, to be able to provide a space for our community to feel represented within our urban homeland. And at the same time, the secondary goal, to teach the public of how living our culture is over our delicious food, to be able to teach that the culture is alive, that we, the first people of the East Bay are very much alive, that our elders have kept it going for us, and that to reassociate the culture in the public, not with things like losses and defeats, but to reassociate us with things like strength and victories, because the fact that we can be in our home in an unbroken way, keeping these foods central into our lives, as long as every other aspect of our culture, seeing healing and restoration take place, that's not loss at all and that's not defeat, but those things are, those, that's persistence. Those are victories, those are triumphs. And we believe that when the public knows those things, then they respect our community in a fuller way. We're talking about Cafe Alone opening at the Hearst Museum of Anthropology at UC Berkeley with Vincent Medina, East Bay Alone cultural leader, co-founder of Cafe Alone in Berkeley. We're also joined by Luke Sai, food editor with KQED. And we'd love to hear from you. I mean, if you tried Cafe Alone, you know, it's an original incarnation. What do you think? Have you explored other Native American cuisines? You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. Or you can email those questions and comments to forum at kqed.org. We'd also heard from some listener comments, people saying largely, why haven't these tribes been recognized and what other things could be done uh, by both white people and native people to sort of forward this uh, culture. This is one of those things, Cafe Alone. And we'll be back with Vincent Medina, East Bay Alone cultural leader and co-founder of Cafe Alone in Berkeley. And again, would love to hear from you. You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the history and the future of Cafe Lone, which is reopening at the Hearst Museum of Anthropology at UC Berkeley. We're joined by Vincent Medina, an East Bay Lone cultural leader and co-founder of Cafe Lone, and Luke Sai, food editor at KQED. Luke, I want to make sure we give this food its due as food as well. Could you talk to me about the experience of going to Cafe Lone and eating these uh, indigenous foods of the of the Bay? 
Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's so cool about this restaurant that I think Vincent alluded to earlier is that I think if you grow up in the Bay Area, you kind of, you know, my kids are in elementary school right now. And like, if you learn about the Alones at all, it's kind of as part of this history lesson, right? Like, oh, these were the people who lived here. They lived in these kind of houses. They wore these kind of clothes. They ate these kind of foods. And so um, going to this restaurant um, at its original location, which was also near UC Berkeley, um, was really just this sort of magical transformative experience. Um, you know, I think, you know, food writers talk a lot about restaurants being unique, um, but this was really like no place that I'd ever been to before. You know, you sort of, um, it used to be located uh, in the back patio of this um, bookstore, uh, University Press Books. And so you would walk through this bookstore all the way to the back, sort of not knowing what to expect. And then you'd step out onto this back patio where um, they had this long, um, majestic um, red uh, redwood sort of communal table um, set up, and and um, all on one plate. You know, when I went, it was just sort of this tasting. Um, all on one plate, there were all these foods, um, mostly made with um, pre-colonial um, ingredients that they had. Um, hand gathered themselves, you know, like somewhere in the Bay Area, whether it be the salt um, or the berries uh, or the acorns uh, that they use to make the acorn flour for the soup or for the breads. Um, and there were just so many things um, on that plate that I had just never tasted before, you know, just just like as a just sense of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were uh, these grilled venison patties that they served with the berry sauce. Um, there were hazelnuts that they had ground into this sort of like luxurious paste that you could dip uh, this sort of spongy chia bread into. There was this um, minty yerba buena tea. Um, the acorn soup, which is probably like the most iconic um, item, um, was just this revelation. I mean, it was, it was um, cold and creamy and velvety and refreshing and just like so surprising. Like I just, I don't know what I expected but I wasn't expecting that. Um, and so I just remember the first time I ate at the restaurant just walking away and really thinking to myself like, wow, there's, there's no other restaurant um, like this um, on earth, you know, um, right now at this point in time anyway. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's really true. We're talking about history and future of Cafe Alone, which will be reopening soon at the Hearst Museum of Anthropology at UC Berkeley. We're just listening to Luke Sai, so good at describing food. He's our food editor at KQED. We're also joined by Vincent Medina, an East Bay Alone cultural leader and one of the co-founders of Cafe Alone. We'd love to hear from you. If you've tried Cafe Alone, what did you think? Uh, numbers 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Um, so, Vincent, there was this incredible original restaurant that Luke was just describing, but then the pandemic hits, and like a lot of other restaurateurs, you had to pivot to something else. So what did you do during the pandemic period, and how did that inform this sort of reopening in this new space? Well, one of the first things that we did when we saw cases starting to rise here in the Bay Area was we, we asked our elders. We talked to our elders, the oldest generation of our family, some of who survived the last pandemic, which was the Spanish flu. And they reminded us to, uh, to take this very seriously and to uh, make sure that we're being responsible. 
So before there was any statewide closures, a few days before those went into effect, we closed the original Cafe Ohlone and immediately pivoted all of our work to amplifying uh, the community work that was already happening. So we started having weekly language classes over Zoom, cooking classes for our community virtually. In between surges, having uh, masked up uh, gathering trips to gather our acorn, to gather our black walnuts. We, uh, we started doing food drop-offs for our elders in like the heaviest time of the pandemic. So they didn't have to leave the houses. And, uh, and also later in, the, um, in, in the, the fall time, the fall of 2020, we started to do monthly uh, mill boxes. Well, we created these curated mill boxes that were so much fun to, to, uh, to work on. And uh, it's nice that Luke can be here in this interview because Luke's really been, uh, been um, reporting on Cafe Ohlone since its beginning stages and also experienced these mill boxes too. And one of the things that we thought could help carry us through the pandemic while continuing the message, that's the most important um, part of the public facing work is the education that comes with this is creating these uh, these these really elegant uh, reclaimed uh, cedar or redwood mill boxes that were all curated so they're laid with all these different ingredients rose hip torts having a uh, uh, venison chili Colorado uh, acorn soup bay nut truffles uh, having uh, our yerba buena teas that Luke was just mentioning about 12 courses of Ohlone foods, some of which was prepared, and then some of which was uh, given these really um, detailed directions of how to make at home and home kitchens. And then what we did was we went to our grandparents and we asked them to curate some playlists for us so that we could be able to bring in that musical element. So diners would pick up their box at, at our uh, commercial kitchen at Understory in, in uh, Oakland, Old Oakland, and then they would uh, plug onto our website, put in a password, and then get all of the these these courses detailed to them of what the cultural significance is to our community. Our elders would come in, be recorded, and uh, and then there would be a video message from them, giving them a a, a a history and also a current lived experience of of what these foods represent. And then we would have these fantastic playlists co-curated by our grandparents of these oldies that they grew up listening to and uh, bringing in the elements of the landscape through the native flowers, through bouquets, candle candles to bring in those elements from Cafe Ohlone from the previous dinners. And that led us into the current moment that we're in, which is the reopening. And I'd like to add as well that the cultural work, it's still ongoing. We actually, uh, this uh, this past week just made our two-year mark on having weekly language classes mm. in Chochenyo and Rumson, and to see the fluency that's coming out of these uh, these young children these days, it's just such a it gives us so much uh, hope for what's possible in the future. So you're working on those things, and the Hearst Museum, as I understand it, the Hearst Museum basically calls you or, or someone suggests, "Hey, what if Cafe Lone?" went into this place. I mean, we heard in the, the first segment that literally the, the person's name on the building uh, was, you know, kind of instrumental both in buying out the rancheria where the Ohlone people had been living. So how did you come to make that decision? It seems like kind of a, a, a little bit of a leap to say, yes, we're going to go into this space where harm has been done and we're going to repair it in the way we do it. 
It's, it's, uh, it was a decision that we had to think about and have a lot of conversations with our elders about before we made that decision, because we're fully aware of the difficult history that our community has long had with the Hearst as an institution, but also the Hearst family, with Phoebe Hearst having that 54-room mansion built where our great-grandparents' houses were at, on the Rancheria over in Sinol. And to understand that history fully, also to know how close it is to us. My great-grandmother, Mary Archuleta, who was born in 1910 on the Sonora Rancheria, a hero, somebody who kept the culture alive and somebody who we respect so much, she experienced that loss of federal recognition when the Verona Band of Alameda County had that recognition uh, revoked. Um, now to understand that and to understand how the university went through in that moment, to remove our ancestors from their cemeteries, from their shell mounds, to loot our cultural inheritance, and to know that that's still there. That's something that, of course, uh, we know is not healed yet. We also know that that we want to see uh, those those aspects that of harm that happened in the past for those things to to have healing, for those things to be able to to get better to have better relationships with the university because the university, there's so much that's there that is, uh, that's that's our cultural inheritance. And there's so much that's there within that space as well that our community should have access to. Now, when we think about this and about this university having a role in our, in our his collective history for the last 150 plus years, we would like to have those better relations. There's a, an understanding in our culture about sickness. And that's when something's sick, the old time doctors from before, they have to go to that, that place of the sickness and to extract that sickness to create something that's, that, to create that healing that's there. We see what we're doing there at the Hearst as doing exactly just that, going directly there to where those harms were done, fixing that, working to heal that with our community right there, to be able to see those better relations for Ohlone people in the future. We understand that our presence there is not going to is not going to be um, repatriating all of our ancestors that are there at, at the Hearst Museum, but we understand by having a presence that's there, by being able to be a constant reminder that Ohlone people are alive, that our culture is valuable, that our culture is beautiful, that we've never left our home, then what that does is has the real ability to put it into the public consciousness, to really cement that, that we are the people of this place and that we deserve to see justice happen, healing happen and a bright future within our homeland. I say that we won't be able to see that repatriation happen directly just with us there because repatriation is a lengthy, long uh, process. But by being there, we act as diplomats, cultural diplomats to be able to put this message into people's hearts and mind in a positive way about who we are and about how living our culture is. That's Vincent Medina, East Bay Ohlone, cultural leader. Uh, we have a listener who writes in to say, Emily writes, I went to Cafe Ohlone for a special birthday dinner with my family. It was one of the most special experiences of my life. It was heartwarming and beautiful, everything about it. I can't wait for the new restaurant to open. Nicole writes, 
The spokespeople are so eloquent and their goals and triumphs so moving. I think the reason I empathize so deeply is that as the child of Holocaust survivors, I relate viscerally to the struggle to keep my culture alive when others have tried to obliterate it. I would like to support the Salone tribe's struggle for recognition. They exist and shouldn't require the government of the oppressor to grant them some kind of imprimatur. It's outrageous. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Luke, I the new Cafe Lone is not open yet, but you've gotten a little preview. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what, what that was like. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was wonderful. And, and Vincent, I'm sure, can talk to this more. But I was wonderful just hearing about their vision um, for the space. And specifically, you know, he was talking about those um, language classes that they've been doing. Um, and to hear how they've taken that um, and actually integrated that into the restaurant. Um, and they had this amazing uh, concept, which, which, you know, will I can't wait to see it in practice, where they'll have these trees that actually have sound systems set up inside of them, where there'll be recordings of students from those classes, you know, little kids, but also elders, um, who'll be speaking and singing in Chechenyo. Um, and so there'll be actual members of the community who took those classes, and now their voices will be sort of the soundtrack um, to your meal um, as you're eating at that restaurant. Um, it's just something I thought was so wonderful. Um, yeah. And I think uh, the other thing that um, Vincent and, and Lewis have talked to me a lot about is just this idea that they don't want a lone culture um, to be this sort of time capsule, you know, so at, at the same time that they're honoring these traditions um, from 100 years ago, 200 years ago, um, there's also this reality that this, um, uh, you know, c- colonial period happened, the, the rancheria period happened. And so uh, their grandparents and great grandparents um, grew up, you know, eating foods that were not necessarily the quote unquote traditional alone foods, um, but they were like Mexican dishes, like the chili Colorado and um, the rabbit mole. mole I heard about uh, that one. I'm looking forward to. <laughs> um, and then Vincent was saying even like pasta dishes um, were introduced, you know, and that they would take those dishes, but also make them alone. And yeah, I think I, you see this in a lot of cuisines, you know, whether you're talking about Mexican food or Chinese food, where there's a certain resistance to change sometimes where you're like, oh, there is only this one pure form of the food. And so something I'm really excited about with the new Cafe Lone is, um, I, I believe they're going to be incorporating a lot of these more modern dishes um, to sort of show that that also is part of um, today's Ohlone culture, that, yeah. that it is this living and evolving culture. Um, and that you can experience 
all the different aspects of it at this restaurant. You know, Vincent, um, it's my understanding that the sound system, which is going to be put in by Meyer Sound, which does these incredible kinds of restaurant installations, that there's going to be, you translated some songs that your grandparents used to play, including Angel Baby by Rosie and the Originals, oh. into Chochenyo. Um Could you talk a little bit about like why that song is beloved and, and what it's going to sound like in, in your native tongue? Absolutely. So the song Angel Baby, it really does just... Uh, remind us of all these happy times. And I say us, meaning the my generation and younger, because I know that, that it was always a song that our grandparents, not even just my grandparents, but in our community, our, um, our collective grandparents, we just always have in the background of our, of our houses. And it was always around at family parties. It's just such a sweet song, such a sweet love song. But our, um, our Chochenyo language crew uh, in one of our classes, we work to translate it to be which means beautiful language. And it's a song about, it follows the same melody as uh, Angel Baby, but it's a song about, uh, it's a love song to our Chochenyo language, telling our language how much we love it, that our language about how beautiful it is, that it's like a dream to us that if it ever was to go away from us for some time, that it would always return back to us, which is really what happened when our language was put away for a bit of time in order to keep us safe. But it did exactly that. It came back to our community. And, and it's going to start off with an elder singing on one of those singing trees by herself. And then one by one, the trees are going to join into unison, these beautiful native trees of Hazel, a Manzanita, a Sycamore, Valley Oak, that are all brought into the new cafe space. Then at once, all the, all the trees are going to be singing together in unison until they slowly start tapering off. And the, then it's going to taper off until it's just one singer, our little cousin, Amaya Rano, who's 10 years old and such a star in our language classes. I mean, she's gotten to be a fluent speaker in two years and she speaks beautifully. When in-person school started back up again, she started teaching Chochenyo to her friends because she's so proud to be a speaker of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we're uh, she's going to be there singing at that last uh, verse by herself, representing the next generation, keeping these traditions strong. So oh, it's man. so beautiful to see. Vincent, you got me crying in the booth here. That is that is honestly <laughs> so beautiful. And thank you so much for for sharing that story. I cannot wait until this opens soon. We're talking about Cafe Loni's reopening at the Hearst Museum of Anthropology at UC Berkeley with Vincent Medina, uh, co-founder of Cafe Loni in Berkeley. Thank you for joining us, Vincent. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me on the show. And, and for those who are interested, please come visit us at Cafe Loni. We're opening at the end of June. Looking forward to celebrating our beautiful culture. And thank you so much, Luke Sai, for all the stories on Cafe Loni and for coming on today. Thank you, Alexis. And now we're going out to a little angel baby. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.